Joy 99.7 FM. Properties home is where one starts. Juraplus, where Juraplus goes, water flows. And Trasaco, fast floor. Stronger, faster, and affordable. And the management of Joy FM staff and our cherished clients extend our sincere gratitude to our uh, following the following uh, donors assisting with uh, Easter Soup Kitchen as well. Welma Ghana, Coca-Cola Bottling Company, uh, Corabs Enterprise, Niche Natural Cocoa Liquor, East Cantonment Pharmacy, Trinity Oil, Munchi Biscuits, Munchi Biscuits, uh, Multipro Limited Ghana, Royal Chef, Elizabeth Kwanza, um, Chumwa Fresh and Extra O. Thank you all very much. And you know the Easter Soup Kitchen tomorrow, your number one Easter Soup Kitchen happening right here. And we'll be doing the cooking supervised by professional chefs uh, to serve you. Thank you very much. Now, um, let's uh, get to our... Uh, call them SOE, state-owned enterprises. I'd like us to take a listen quickly uh, to people at the helm and their comments about the losses that are being made. And then I'll bring my guest in. Um, let me use the opportunity to advocate all of us. Um, when an enterprise, a company, is operating at losses, you assess the source of the losses. It may be market-driven losses. For example, you're operating in a COVID environment. Your Joy FM may say staff, uh, sorry, sack some people, or say let them say let them take half pay and survive the situation but when you see loss reported you won't go and fire the ceo will you because the environment did not permit profitable operations similarly the state enterprise also operates in an environment so you look at the environmental analysis and make sure that that general problem is sorted like like the enterprise models its operations to survive in that environment first before you can point an accusing finger of non-performance on the CEO and staff. We are so negative-minded and crack the whip, crack the whip, crack the whip. I personally believe in enterprise management to mean train the people to do it well. Put in place the measures to avoid corruption. Do you understand? And fire the one who has been trained and still subvert the system to be corrupt. Do you understand? That is the level you go to crack the whip. But the person is sitting in an enterprise environment where uh, the environment has caused the manager not to be able to even come out with his best, the environment. And then you are going to punish him for that? Do you understand? So first, you have to provide the environment for the person to be... It is at that level that you begin to crack the whip when you have everything you take, everything it takes for you to perform, and you are not performing. We are really supposed to be measured by our efficiency and not by profitability. No, but if you talk about... I mean, so let, let, let me just, let me just uh, get to you. You see, the 938 billion million million sorry and then the 2.6 billion it's not because somebody has gone spending that amount of money 2015 all the projects capital investment the state had done in water sector were all on land to ghana water company limited mm -hmm. these are loans that are taken in the interest of the state to give water to the people of ghana irrespective of where you are located Mm -hmm. Whether your area is viable, it is not viable, it is the state's responsibility to give you water. Mm -hmm. And now those capital investments have been all lent to Ghana Water Company. Mm -hmm. Today, as of yesterday, we were looking at our numbers. It has risen to 4.2 billion Ghana cities mm -hmm. because they are dollar denominated. 
and then we converting them, we're going to do in cities. And so all these are part of the analysis that they do. Mm -hmm. So they will work out and they still bring this in. And unfortunately for GWCL, these online loans have no space in the tariff buildup. And so where is GWCL going to set aside an amount of money to be able to pay for this? It is on our books. Mm -hmm. We are working on, since 2017, we've been working very hard to see how the state can really look at it because it's making our books look dirty. Right. So you had um, Joseph Kujo, uh, who is the Minister for Private Enterprises. Is this... Uh, Yes, saying that, you know, we may want to think about some of these things, uh, Minister for State Enterprises, um, but also finding some, you know, space for excuse for the managers of these entities. And you heard the man in charge of Ghana Water uh, Company, Clifford Brimer. Um, so let me begin with Professor Lord Mensah. Prof, um, even the minister who is superintending what we all know as we read the reports, very terrible, uh, what cannot be allowed to happen in private enterprise is, is finding excuse for, for the losses and the wastefulness. Hello, please unmute, please unmute your mic. Okay. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, good morning and good morning to our viewers, Samson. Uh, yeah, you know, when it comes to SOEs, um, they are characteristics. Um, sometimes are a bit dicey as to whether you can directly compare them to the private, you know, entities, or it's more or less a hybrid. They are more or less hybrid between, you know, the private sector, you know, entities and then you know, the state entities. But then I will say that if a state entity, you know, is able to borrow on its balance sheet, then more or less uh, we must treat this entity as more or less a private. And the minimum they can do is to break even as a benchmark. Mm. I don't want to go to a direction where, you know, um, I have so many questions about, you know, governance structure, of our SOEs. Because if you take a typical private entity, the performance of the entity at the level where me and you can feel start all the way from the board. And so let's look at the board structure of our state-owned institutions. The board structure of our state-owned institutions are basically politically characterized. And effectively, this has a build-up into performance. Now, I asked myself so many questions. Are there some KPIs, key performance indicators that we look out for from the board when they are appointed? Do we really look at information asymmetry? And if I say information asymmetry, I'm looking at financial information, how it tickles down from the boardroom all the way to the operational level for decision making. Do we look at that? And I can tell you that I'm yet to see all these things. And there is a World Bank report exercise going on on state-owned institutions' um, uh, performance across the globe. And clearly, most of them uh, can be described with their character I've provided. And effectively, it tells you that, yes, there's something missing in our environment. What get worried is the direct cost incurred. And I, I, I understand, you know, there's been uh, that kind of improvement in the losses as from, from 2019. Um, you look at uh, 2020, uh, there seemed to be an improvement, about 50% um, reduction in the um, losses. But something, I'm telling you that this shouldn't be the case in a sense that in as much as we don't expect most of the state-owned institutions to be profit-making ventures, the minimum we expect from them as stakeholders will be possibly to break even. To break even in the sense that the moment you pick on a liability, which is borrowing, you should make sure that that liability is converted directly into assets, which can easily build up 
into the performance that we look out for. So when we talk about efficiency, so you borrowed more or less seven as input, and then possibly how you convert this amount that you, this money that you're borrowing, mm. you borrowed into um, maybe kind of profit or possibly to break even. But then do we see that? We don't really see that. And then one aspect of the, uh, the liabilities that is also worrying is the short-term liability. You see, the, 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 the serious thing about you know, some of these entities is that if they are accumulating liabilities and they are going into assets, right, which has long-term prospects, no problem. But if your liabilities are turning up to be short-term, that means possibly your employers, you are not even paying them. Then the question is, you know, how... How, how do you pay this your employers and motivate them? Let's also question how the employees get engaged and the contract that are given to them and the possible expectations of them. Most, are, most of them are politically inclined. And so for me, with the SOEs, um, I think we have a lot of work to do in that area. We need to put down measures that will require, you know, those who are appointed. Mm. be the CEOs, the board, and all those, some benchmarks, and possibly look at how we can even tie their salaries. I know most of them are taking about a more than five-digit figures, you know, when it comes to salary compensation. And so let's look at all these things, tie your performance to some of these indicators, and stop giving excuses like the environment has not, you know, does not make provision for it. The mm. environment is not making provision for it, but if when you've gone ahead to borrow, you know very well that the environment will not allow you to perform. Why do you go ahead to borrow? Mm. So effectively, uh, something, I would say that, yes, indeed, um, it's a cause to worry. It's about time we sit back as a country, develop some kind of, you know, uh, corporate governance framework for our state-owned institutions and ensure that they go by it, they stick to it, and then look at possibly the parliament oversight on some of these um, state-owned institutions. After all, they, they, they belong to the state. Let's compare. I mean, if you look at parliament, most of the things that are being done, you know, uh, that, that are being done by the state, it goes through parliament before approval. But why is that at the state level, we don't, the state-owned institutions level, we don't ensure that there is a balance when it comes to the political divide, when it comes to the appointment of the board of those uh, various state-owned institutions. <coughs> so effectively, Something I would say that, yes, indeed, uh, the characteristics of the state-owned institutions, uh, as we speak now, um, cannot be situated as state-owned, and therefore, it will be a business as usual. Mm. As far right. as state-owned entities mm. can borrow on their balance sheet, right. then it's no more the business as usual. Let, let's we, me... have to treat them, mm. we, we have to treat them with that kind of respect that we could have given to you know, private entities. Uh, Professor Bochi, if your line is clear, let me come to you before I go to Honorable um, Sethekwe uh, and then Kuku uh, Pencil here in the studio. Um, the report of these uh, SOEs, uh, we are now hearing some of their managers want to blame things on COVID, but we know previously it's been as terrible. So I don't know why they want to hide under COVID. Before COVID, it was not a different story anyway. Uh, we are told of net loss recorded for 2020, uh, which follows a trend of losses observed over the review period of 2016 to 2020. Only two sectors, that's financial and manufacturing, recorded net profits in 2020. The largest net loss of approximately 1.4 billion Ghana cities was recorded by the energy sector, followed by the infrastructure and agriculture sectors with uh, over 900 million and 433 million, uh, respectively. The highest net losses for SOEs in 2020 were recorded by the GMPC, that's uh, in excess of 100 and uh, is it uh, 1.6 million? The Ghana Water Company, 938 million. Nedco, 379 million. The Bost, 291 million. And Tor, 100 and.
59 million. We are told that according to the IMF, which, is doing a, which has been doing a study over the last 10 years, uh, SOEs have increased in importance among the world's largest corporations, $45 trillion. Um, $45 trillion, and their assets are now about 50% of total global GDP, and they play a huge role in most economies. Um, how can we take advantage of this? Uh, State-owned enterprises in Ghana recorded 2.61 billion loss in 2020, according to this report. However, this represents nearly 50% improvement over the 2019 aggregate loss of 5.16 billion. The finance minister, Ken uh, Furiata, is calling for more agent collective work to address the losses. Professor Bochi. Well, it's invariably not good news. Mm -hmm. And I think that whenever you have poor performances, a, a string of poor performances in entities which depend on the state, invariably there's a need for some questions to be asked. And I think the, the key question is this. Whenever an institution or institutions perform poorly, the first question should be directed at the corporate governance structure of the institution. Because every institution invariably must have strategic goals and targets. And so if these entities that are commencement of every year set themselves certain goals that we are going to deliver X, Y, Z, and it's important, and I think um, somebody made the point earlier, that profit may not necessarily be the overriding motive of state-owned enterprises. The point is the state-owned enterprises feel a vital gap that normally private enterprises either are unwilling or unable to fail. And also because of certain predictability of service delivery. Because when you leave it to private enterprises, because they are driven by profit and they are driven by other forces of you know, demand and supply and other external forces, they may not necessarily respond to the fundamental uh, variable of constant delivery. So to avoid this, state-owned enterprises fill that critical gap among other important uh, uh, reasons, such as ensuring that there's a reasonable uh, accessibility to certain utilities and services, and that cost is kept to a certain bare minimum, among others. But every entity starts or begins its year by setting itself certain strategic goals. So if you do have boards, and that is where, again, the problem comes in, if you do have boards that are competent, that are responsive, that have an understanding of the strategic movement of things within the environment in which they operate, Boards would invariably have to ensure that these losses are kept to a bare minimum or eliminated altogether. If we have politicized our boards, and this is a point that cannot be delivered, uh, that, that cannot be delivered from government to government. Every time new governments come, we have to constitute boards, and we have gotten to that point where, with the inception of every new government, all boards are dissolved, and they are dissolved even to the point of universities. Unfortunately, we have locked this in law, the transition law, which has actually encouraged the practice of creating not only inconsistencies, but deeply politicizing these boards. So the question is, what is the character of the board for these various state-owned enterprises? What is the qualification, or what are the qualifications of members of these boards? And to what extent have these boards played the critical oversight corporate governance role to ensure that things are kept within prudent measures? As I indicated, it may not be profit-driven. I mean, these companies, these entities may not necessarily be profit-driven because they are state-owned and therefore they are as socially driven as they are commercially driven. But it is important that in the minimum, if they are not even making profit, that they break even and that they do not become a drag on the taxpayer. So I think these fundamental points are things that obviously may appear implicated within the context of, of, of what we have, uh, what we are staring in the face, the fact that we have a consistent string. In fact, the report indicates that this appears to be um, a better improvement over last year, i.e. almost a 50% improvement over last year, which tells you that as bad as this one is, we're actually making progress. Mm. But clearly the finance minister's exasperation is understood. And the reason one can understand that is we can't even wait to the point of zero. But mm. the least we can have is to move from the point of a rather humongous um, so, so listening to uh, Professor Lord Mensah and yourself, the question of corporate governance, the, the question of the boards that superintend these entities is important. 
Um, so why are we not able to uh, be clear about it? We have uh, how many of them? 126 of them or so. Uh, we have uh, a number, about 17 uh, joint venture companies or more. Um, and we have seen certain individuals, a few individuals, who have been appointed to some of these institutions do extremely well. They, overnight, within a short time, they change the entire organization, its outlook, its appeal, and even its profit. Talk about the Ghana Publishing Company, for example. And why can't we ensure that there's consistency in how these are done, rather than the majority of them that we see continue to post losses, you know, and, uh, and yet they get the fattest salaries? Well, as I indicated, the problem may actually appear to be the law. The fact that the law co-terminates, the law co-terminates the duration or the lifespan of both to the inception of government. I think that's a problem. We have co-terminated and co-indexed the lifespan of both to every election. So once we have changes in government, we must have new boards. When you do that, what you've done is to create a political incentive for, for political compensation through the medium of boards. And that is what we've had over the years. It shouldn't be. The fact that we have a new government in place in 2025, in January 2025, we'll have a new government in place. There should not be new boards unless there are justifiable reasons for changing board members or the entire board. But that, and it's gone all the way to universities, even university boards, university councils. Mm. All these have to be reconstituted at the commencement of every government. And the message we send is a problematic message. The message we send is that we have politicized the entire system to the point of everybody having to leave with the inception of a new government and new members having to come in. Okay. And that is not only problematic, but it creates um, a certain spontaneous and a certain inconsistent um, mindset. In the operations of uh, in the operations of government, uh, uh, the operations of state-owned enterprises, but more dangerously, it incentivizes these entities to operate more politically than commercial. Okay, so I return to ask all of you about because you are pointing to governance. Uh, the two of you so far pointing to governance and the structures that exist, what ought to be done about them, and also, as it were, the the system having been hijacked by the political, you know, elites, the political system, so to speak and no meritocracy as well. What can be done? Because we have rehashed these problems for decades, for as long as I became politically aware. We have rehashed these problems. And all we see are our vibrant, hitherto vibrant state-owned enterprises collapsing, being turned into churches. Well, uh, Koku will be happy <laughs> that we have more churches. But let me get to Koku before I come to uh, 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 Mr. Tepe. What, what do you make of this situation? Are we so, are we, are we jinxed? We can't get out of this. What is wrong with us? Uh, it's a sad situation. Hmm. I think Ghana is the only country where we know all the programs. And all we do is to meet and rehearse what we already know. It requires a lot of action. I'm talking about both political action. But even when I'm talking of political action, I'm talking about political action that can be sustained on the basis of law. You know, every time we keep making the point that we've got more laws in Ghana possibly than any other country, we'd rather have more laws and add them to the laws and ensure that they are implemented. Because the law forms the framework for society, for everything that we do. So, for instance, this issue, we take them one by one. Indeed, my starting point is what you said and what Professor also uh, reiterated, which is that for whatever it is, at least some improvement, meaning that if we have a timeline of action, if we have the program of action, we begin to follow it up, we can give ourselves some time, possibly by next year, then it will be, let's say, 40%, then 30%, then 20%, then 10%. Then we get to possibly zero. We have been failing forward. Now, but this one's an improvement. Improvement means that we make 50% less losses, which means that by next year, let's make 40% less losses. Okay. But everything has been said already. You know, there's a lot, it's just lack of transparency in this country 
regarding all these public institutions, state organizations, as we have put them. But thank God, today we have the Right Information Act. No, I mean, I'm putting this in the context that I'm putting because citizens must be citizens. People must, uh, must be activated to take an interest in our state-owned enterprises. The kind of figures that we come to this studio to hear, but we put out in the marketplace. People ought to be educated. We have uh, whatever civic education. And people ought to be alerted to some of these things. People ought to raise the same questions. The point has already been made. We are talking about, I mean, every government that comes, of course, determines who must get in there. A lot of impunity. But do we say and forget about corruption? We can't forget about corruption and the lack of political will to prosecute people. I don't like to mention names. It will not be good to mention names. But in Ghana here, when you are failing, then what they do is that they give you a reward, a very big reward, and they ask you to resign your position. And that appears to be all. And if we really want to get serious, these are the kind of things that we need to revisit. We need to come to ourselves as a country and make a determination that we cannot have this year in, year out. And every day, it's a tale of woes of one sort or other. So the political action that I'm talking about is for our politicians to come to a realization that these institutions or these things that we have institutionalized, that new king, new law, a new king comes in, and everybody must be changed. Everybody must shift for somebody to come in there. And by reason of those kind of things, when they come in there, their allegiance is more to whoever put him in there than the fact that he's running a state-owned enterprise. Mm. And like I said, if we have together with this one, the laws that will ensure that people render proper account of their administration or of the way they run things over a period of time, and possibly naming and shaming I mean, why can't we do these things for ourselves so that we will know which are the state institutions which, at the end of the year, they require commendation. There must be institute or organizations or structures that are responsible for doing all of these things. Other than that, it is just one tale of woes. And the other question that we really need to ask ourselves is, what is it about our character as a people that... It takes foreignness. You know, the annoying thing, and I'm using the word annoying, the annoying part of it is that every time that we have to privatize a state enterprise, it goes to a foreigner. Right. So is there something inherently wrong with us as a people that we cannot even run our own things, even as private enterprise? In other words, if it comes to the crunch, that government has to give it up for somebody to take it. Must it be necessary? So what is it about us? These are the critical issues, and I think that these interrogations that we are doing as a country, as a soul-searching exercise, in the light of the facts that we have. But I am hopeful, I mean, in spite of everything that we say, that if we are making lesser losses, it means that we have started something that we need to look at the parameters very well mm. and watch it over the period and be able to report what shortfalls there are mm. in the system. So I would say, let's stick to what we have. Let's try to improve upon it. If our politicians and the people who are running this country are mindful or are willing and desirous mm. of one change the system, then let it not be. Listen, even let me put it this way. Even on the political circle, okay? Let me tell you what. You, you, America, you read the profiles of people who serve various governments. I'm talking about the political circle. That's right. One person serves so many governments, Democrats, Republicans. Apart from possible uh, uh, President Kufo, who attempted to bring in Indomen, Malami, and a few people, even on the political set, we cannot even tolerate the idea mm. of one politician helping another government. And so, so what is it about our, us as a country mm. that we cannot even see a situation, <laughs> even if one politician... <laughs> let me, oh, let me flip that back to uh, uh, Mr. Seth Tepe. Uh, many years ago, um, uh, Duncan Williams, uh, Archbishop Duncan Williams, preached about crabology. <laughs> we behave like crabs. You put them in a basket, they won't allow anyone to get up top. Um, so, uh, Mr. Tekpa, you have a better view of this situation because of your previous position as finance minister. Um, what is wrong and what needs to be done? How urgent is this? <laughs> 
Thank you very much, uh, Samson. Um, first of all, <laughs> I'm, I'm with lawyers, and so um, I hope you can pardon me with yourself. But let's go to chapter 13 of the Constitution. State-owned enterprises are the only ones or the majority where exceptions are made for the establishment of separate funds for the operation. When you go to their laws, they are the only ones who are allowed to borrow on their balance sheet, own assets, and incur liabilities. I won't say the only ones, but they are the, in the majority. Some agencies have those clauses. Mm. So the premise of a state-owned enterprise and the reason why they file, and Officer Ludvessel can correct me, under IFRS, not IFSAS, is that they are profit-making. Having said that, we do appreciate their economic, social, and political importance, if I may, pushing that agenda. So if I may be very specific, uh, to explain our policy, the self-financing policy, which the, I believe the MD for Ghana Water attempted you know, to uh, say was something wrong. Yes, Ghana Water has the responsibility to provide water to the whole country. But the water that is provided in Accra, on the specific certain areas, is not the same as the loan that is taken to provide water in rural Ghana. Our policy was self-financing. And we are saying, let us segment the market. Let us segment your portfolio, just as I am segmenting my loans. And I'm saying that if I take a loan, and you are providing water to a community, you know, which, you know, let's say, I won't say 100%, but up to 80, 85% can pay for the cost of water. I don't see any reason why that loan should not be recovered. That is one principle of this. Secondly, we were also saying that if we have an airport tax, it's a tax, remember, right? And we want to construct an airport. Why should we not fall on that tax? When that project will bring in other services, which a port company can use to pay for its operations and expenses, why would we want to take it? So the state ceded its share of the tax that goes into the consolidated fund, took the portion of tax, bundled it, and I can assure you that in these instances, KJT is another example. Let me not go into Ports and Harbors Authority is a typical example. Port expansion, MPS and the rest. I can assure you something that when we bundle these commercial elements, as opposed to the social element of these state-owned enterprises, the money that was projected was sufficient for us not to issue a sovereign guarantee for those loans. You can check the records. So there was no sovereign guarantee issued for airport company. And we were in the process of bundling, you know, that loan which, you know, for, and talking to real estate companies who want water, you know, sent to their sites. You look at the economy, you look at how it is evolving. And they were willing. We had started a discussion, we couldn't finish. For water to be extended, after all, they are going to pass on the water to the consumers, meter. We are going to have prepaid metering and the rest. So I'm saying that um, if those policies, I'm understanding the rationale. Why am I explaining this? Today, we do not have access to the markets. And that will come with the inability of the state to issue sovereign guarantees for debt. And even if it did, it would be at a very high cost. If we have a model where commercial projects by state-owned enterprises as opposed to their social elements. Rural electrification self is a good example. As opposed to consumption, energy that is consumed by consumers, then the water. You know, water to, you know, for lungs, right? To wash cars and the rest. Shouldn't they be paid for? If we can ring fence those and say through the uh, utility uh, uh, regulators, that these elements must be self-financing. That is the only way in which we would reduce the dependence on the state for everything. 
Now, therefore, it means, and, and, and uh, if we do that, in fact, the state-owned enterprises, the repayment of the loan was not going to go back into the consolidated fund. Let me emphasize that. It was going to go to the entity. So if you take airport company, the goal was if we can prove to African Development Bank as we did and bring in the Ghana Infrastructure Investment Fund as a vehicle that was going to manage those loans and the rest, not central government. And we can gradually build confidence. Then we're going to take that model and go to Pram Pram since the budget was constrained and do it on a self-financing basis. Tamale was going to be on a self-financing basis. The only public element is the tarmac, you know, maybe the, you know, the uh, arrival and departure halls and the rest. Warehouses can be done by private sector because it was to be a hub, you know, for lifting flour, things from the water basin and the rest. We wanted to cost in this. Am I saying something new? No. Few people would understand. When we're doing the self-finance, I kept saying something. I believe I was even on, on this, you know, saying that a customer don't pay for itself. From the tariffs, VRA. And I had a discussion, you know, on, on this forum where VRA was being applauded in the past for borrowing. Cocoa Board is self-financing. Today, Cocoa Board is making losses. Cocoa Board had never been. Cocoa Board's rating has always been better than that of sovereign rating, the, the country as a whole. Now, that leads me to um, another point. Therefore, if you look at those two points, then I may, I may want to see the, the space. First, if you look at the dates that we're talking about, we are comparing 2019 and 2020. We are not in 2022 or 2021, the financial statement, for correction. Is there something about the economy? Where these same state-owned enterprises we're making profit going into COVID. 2020, they made profit. You know, whereas even the preamble, <laughs> the preamble to uh, the, the, the report, the CIGA report, was excusing them away based on COVID. As I've always said about the economy itself, let's stop blaming everything on COVID because we have a fiscal gap of 5 billion, uh, sorry, 5% of GDP, you know, before COVID. So is there something? reading between the lines that suggests that, you know, maybe as a result of Sigas, you know, oversight, compared to say SEC and the rest, something positive was happening. I would want us to look at some of these mechanisms, you know, which yield that report, uh, uh, some results. Luckily, I'm not talking only about the structures we put in place, you know, which prevented us from issuing some guarantees, even when things were difficult. But we are looking at, State-owned enterprises with better oversight, I would say to some extent, which, you know, were in a period of COVID. Of course, COVID could favor some entities. If you look at ECG, read the report, it will seem as though the period we were all locked down in the cities, you know, uh, consumption, you know, went, went up. You know, just as we are using Zoom and the rest where previously you would lock, you know, and go. Is there a point of efficiency? you know, which we can learn from this sense. Mm. Then my, my, my third point, which i like to, then I'll come back, mm. you know, I, I will um, see the first yes. Yeah, please, please hold on for me. I need to take I need to take this break, and I return to take your third point. And uh, my guest, I would like you to now, uh, you know, the elephant in the room, it, the, the, it appears that this matter is being brought up, including by... Uh, those in charge at the helm so that we can facilitate a certain acceptance by the citizens for further privatization of some of these uh, entities. Uh, but why not? If they, all they do, even those that are supposed to make profits, never really are making profits. And the question that some people have been asking is, for example, how does a GMPC um, make, make, say it has made losses. And they are asking in 2019, there was this memo that came out in the public about sponsorship donations that they were making, uh, 400,000 for preparation of uh, uh, Damba Festival by the Dagon State, uh, 20th anniversary of the Ochehene, there was some 500,000 going into that, you know, uh, GJA 50,000, Ghana Boxing Association 30,000, 
uh, US dollars, uh, the Rebecca Foundation, 120,000, Yoko, 550,000. People are saying they are not justified to claim um, that they have made a loss. We'll be right back. Window small. Ah, the room be too bright, oh. Why you be vampire when you know they like sunlight? Oh my guy, my eyes, oh my eyes behind the PC problem. Oh, in the sun problem. Come on, light bulb self. This no matter. Eh? I beg go Robert and Sons. Mm. Oh yeah. Then my chick to him, I know correct. Crap. Where Robert and Sons sort them out sharp. Now so so stylish frames in the wrong. <laughs> we go go Robert and Sons right in. No, I was sitting inside proper. For over 25 years, Robert and Sons continues to provide specialist eye care for both adults and children. Locate us at Adabaka, Adenta, Kumasi, Usudangwa, Tema, Weja, and East Legon. Call 050-151-9111. Robert and Sons, seeing is believing. Joy 99.7 FM. 5044999999. To secure your dream home now. Will it? Play high press to force the mistakes. They'll dominate the area you bowl. They're too tall. We'll handle the pressure and smash them on the break. The number nine has scored in their last five games. The passing will be quick, decisive, precise. There will be drama in the dying minutes. This match will mean more than three points. They will have the home ground advantage. This is why I bet. This is why I bet. This is why I bet. Betway. This advertisement has been vetted and approved by the Gaming Commission of Ghana. Bet responsibly, not for persons below 18 years. For that list of expensive building materials you sent to me. Madam, relax. I just visited IPCP where the engineers told me everything about Chosako first floor. Chawako, please, those people are expensive. I don't know the people building those big, big houses in town. In fact, I used to think the same of until I visited their office today and they gave me an estimate of how much it will cost. Bravo, the estimate is real. Wow. Visit IPCP, the Trasaco Fast Floor. Engineers will assist you build an affordable, faster, and stronger building. Oh, Madam, Madam, it is done. Trasaco Fast Floor, stronger, faster, and affordable. This is a Trasaco construction product. This is News File, it's your most authoritative news analysis platform. And my guest helping us to do the second part of the discussion, Professor Lord Mensah, Associate Professor, University of Ghana Business School, um, Mr. Setepe, former finance minister, um, executive director, PFM, Tax Africa Network, and part-time lecturer, University of Ghana Business School, and other places. Professor Abuchi uh, was with us. Uh, he's taking leave. And Kweku Pencil is lawyer and managing solicitor, Pencil, Pencil and Co. Now, um, Mr. Tepe, you were on your very final point, very yes, instructive, yes, um, very um, incisive yeah. discussion. So the, the point I, I sought to make was that mm. if you look at the uh, SOEs as listed, um, they, they tend to be uh, SOEs with different economic or financial strength. Sell some of them can borrow, they can make profit on their own balance sheet. I would say that 
you know, we should um, this is we should separate those, you know, from. Um, let me give you a specific example that came up, you know, when we were looking at this classification. GDC, we are told it's a public interest, you know, radio station. Do we therefore need to, to change the law to recognize that fact, right? And then um, there are issues like double counting, uh, SLAP, PRC, mm. the liabilities and the assets that are there are the same as the, if you read, the same as the energy sector. What is weighing down, you know, uh, um, what is weighing down uh, GRE and the rest. So why do we want to be, do that kind of duplication? And in any case, it was supposed to, to, to cease in three to five years, unless we want to, the tax to remain, then we cannot you know, do this. So in essence, what I'm saying is the cost of finance is cost of operations. And if an SOE cannot cover the commercial elements, and I put emphasis on the commercial or quasi-commercial elements for which they are established. You know, then there is room, you know, for that, you know, entity <laughs> to be probably reclassified so that we know that it is on the balance sheet, you know, and it's going to get government subsidy. Okay. Then there are those in between. You know, I see agencies and the rest, you know, whose objective is clearly not to make profit, right? And, and, and so if we do this separation, I'm talking in terms of looking at the report, you know, and suggesting, it's not just criticism, you know, but also suggesting enhancements, which was what we sought to do with the self-financing. I think that we'll be in a, in a position. Yeah, so by the classifications the that you make, by the classifications that you make, in a minute if you can tell us this, um, are there some of these SOEs that you will vote for, you know, letting them into private hands? Uh, into private hands, we need to prepare them before you can market them. Otherwise, the state will just be giving away. Mind you, many of these entities have assets, you know, um, substantive assets, they may be making liabilities. So we need to prepare them, you know, for the markets. But I would, you know, or what we sought to do through our policy is definitely not to issue sovereign guarantee, you know, for the GNPCs, Cocoa Board, which is borrowing on its own, you know, uh, this card, VRA, VRA was, was sound. In fact, VRA, through the waterfall was going to pay for the extra loan that right. was, you know, used to mm. finance. So okay. that's the sort of first right. step I would make before you right. talk about Let, Let's go to uh, Professor Lord Mensa And thanks again for your patience. Um, I need to uh, plead for uh, Professor Kofi Abochi. He had to take leave of us. Now, from the diagnosis that you make, what should we be doing? Um, Professor Kofi Abochi is still with us. Okay, thank you very much. We had lost him, and my understanding was that he had to leave us. Um, so, Professor Lord Mensa, the, the question is, what do we go from here? We continue to complain and talk about the issues that bedevil these entities. What do we do? Should privatization be the only way uh, out? Right. Um, thank you very much, Samson, um, for coming back to me. Um, Privatization for me shouldn't be the only way out uh, because there is an economic reason, social reason why we need to keep some of these um, entities at our developmental stage. But then all the structures that you know the state-owned institutions need to make them perform are in existence. Let's take, for instance, internal audit and external audit of these I mean, institutions. At least for once. The report that we are discussing now, as it is out and we are discussing it, is a step in the right direction. So if you're a manager in any of these institutions and it turns out that you are not doing well, you're creating losses, taking on liabilities, which cannot be able to create assets that can finance those liabilities, then it don't make sense to be a manager or CEO in that regard, taking five-figure taking five salaries. And so effectively, um, it's a step in the right direction, what we are doing now, as we discuss, I mean, this report. Um, auditors, we have internal auditors and external auditors. The question is, do we follow the auditor's report? Because we've been talking about streams of losses over the years. Over the years, I presume that whoever is auditing, be it internal, external, might have highlighted some of these losses to the state-owned institutions. What are the measures do they put in place? So I think... We need to you know, follow up. Then again, 
whether you know COVID has come to expose us or not, I believe that COVID has rather come to strengthen the need for corporate governance framework for some of these you know institutions. And I presume some of the COVID measures were channeled through some of these state-owned institutions. And mm -hmm. as a result of that, that is why we're incurring those few direct costs. Who, who, you know, should, that be, has... who should be spearheading, superintending this, uh, you know, reforms and changes that you are looking at? Um, we, we have set up a SIGA, uh, a whole different government entity to oversight these. And then we have appointed a minister in addition to that. Yeah, fantastic. See, um, as to how we function, that's why I mentioned earlier that the structures are in existence. Let's go to parliament and ask how many of the minority membership in parliament are on boards of state-owned institutions as we speak now. You realize that none of them. And effectively, if you want a diverse view on boards, I think we should, you know, bring in you know, the minority in the board composition, rather than looking at one side, which is the majority only on, you know, board. So effectively, these are some of the things we may have to look at. Because, you know, most of the research that I've looked at... The MPs, to, the, MPs, know, the MPs are generally supposed to oversight these institutions. If you are saying exactly, that, if you are saying that the I, MPs should be on boards, are they going to oversight but, institutions on which they serve? But that is, that is, that is more or less uh, one-sided as we speak now. So effectively... Those oversight responsibilities are mostly one-sided. But then I'm looking at diverse board, which will rob in, you know, different people, not necessarily those in government, so that we can get diverse views when it comes to decision-making. So MPs so, should not uh, be there at all? Come again? MPs should not be on these boards at all? Well, state-owned institutions are, you know, the owners are the citizens of this country. You can look beyond just the parliament. There are several people that you can you can call in to come and help when it comes to decision making. Right. So okay. we don't we don't mm. we don't form boards based on you know celebrity standards and you know based on uh, um, what do you call it uh, who matters in the in the in the society. Right, uh, Professor Bochi, what do you have to say? What, what, how do we get out of this quagmire, so to speak? Well, unfortunately, the answers are rather straightforward, and mm. again, it depends on how how really serious and committed we are to this. So I mean, there are some things you can't go around it. It's a straightforward case of management. It's a straightforward case of corporate governance. I'm aware that the World Bank has been trying, you know, a few years ago, trying to lead conversations in that area to get state-owned enterprises to actually practice the principles of corporate governance. Good principles of the rational use of resources, you know, good principles of management, ensuring that the structures of governance in the company are working, ensuring that proper control systems are ahead to, ensuring that we depoliticize the entire framework and processes of these entities that fundamentally, even if social, must operate with basic commercial principles in mind. Do you have hope that we can get to having good uh, uh, corporate governance systems in these entities when, uh, if it is left the way it is now, where the politicians have to fill these uh, boards? And... Often we know how they do it. It's patronage. Um, how much have you contributed to the party? Uh, who is here? Who has done this for the party? They put them there. They don't need any expertise. It's all like where there's an advertisement, and then you screen the best of the best. Thompson, the problem is that the problems of our constitutional system as we have today, they are intricate and they are interwoven. What you just mentioned, which I alluded to earlier, about the question of political compensation, Look, until we address some of these fundamental and foundational issues, political compensation, where people work for parties, they expect returns when they come to power. If we don't address that, the issue of who goes on the board, the issues of who gets appointed to run these... Then we may have to look at you know, political financing. Of course. <laughs> right. yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly the point. Exactly the point. They're intricate, they're intricate things. Are so if yeah, we who pays the piper calls the tune. Well, unfortunately, oh, so, but, but I'd like to, I'd like to <laughs> that on the question of the MPs right. on boards. Mm. The MPs on boards is a major problematic thing, and I do hope that moving forward, our presidents will look at that. Right. The MPs are supposed to provide oversight for these right. entities, okay. and the person providing the oversight is also on the board. And by the time you come to Parliament, so as it were, report on the stewardship, the one providing oversight essentially is there to help you mop up. I mean, it's actually help to help you mop up. In, 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 in some 30 seconds, do you vote for our rush to privatize quickly? We are always 
that, that's the way to solve it. Just privatize it. I experienced from diversity over the years, especially with the diversity implementation committee and questions about related party interest and questions about political party and political interests that have ultimately hijacked the process. Okay, okay, okay. I experienced with diversity implementation over the years doesn't give me so much confidence in the privatization process. Yeah, sure. What's, what's wrong with us? <laughs> yes, uh, Koku, so how do we go around? Yeah. What are some of the solutions you also proffer if yeah. they have not, you know, uh, exhausted them? And yeah. I was sitting listening to them. I was just looking at the laws that really come to my mind. For instance, I've got a Public Procurement Act. Right. We've got the Public Financial Management Act. We've got the Auditor General's report that goes to the Public Accounts Committee every year. We've got the Public Private Partnership Act. All of these laws have been structured in such a way that if indeed our state-owned enterprises were to work within the framework of these laws, they would indeed cut out almost all these losses that we're talking about. Mm. But because essentially the state controls all of these institutions and of course the people who run these things, at the end of the day, the state itself lacks the political will and the political power to hold these people to accountability so that over the years we've got the Public Accounts Committee I mean, once in a while, dramatizing these things on our <laughs> televisions, and at the end of the day, the reports get shelved. It's about time that somebody took these reports and set out what is clearly in private pockets and efforts and attempts to retrieve these things and prosecute them. But it's very regrettable that somehow, for some reason, governments come, and after some one or two show trials, everything ends. That is what feeds the impunity. Yeah. That's what makes people who sit in these places. I'm like my learned friend was talking about, if you put an MP in, in, on a public board, quite naturally, he becomes part of the canker. And of course, if they were making successes, the same way we refer to them. Mm. But since it is now a matter of record, that all we know is to make losses with public bodies and, and institutions, it's about time, and the laws are already there. I will emphasize this business of making use of the Auditor General's report. Mm. And if people will be held accountable, at least it will put a check right. on accountability. And there's a portion that you talk about that's also very interesting, and we need to pay attention to when people are being accused or suspected and they're supposed to be taken to trial once it belongs to this other party, they say, nobody, everybody is a saint. Don't touch them. How do you run a country like that? Yes, uh, Mr. Seteque, you wanted to um, wrap up in a minute. Yes, thank you very much. I, I just wanted to say that the governance structure has been touched on, but it may be getting worse as we speak. And again, I, I'm mindful of talking to lawyers. Who owns, you know, that? Who owns CVG? Again, these are issues that have been coming up you know, following our experiences with uh, the divestiture. And then we, are, we seem to have found a loophole also uh, from the conversion of corporations to companies, you know, in avoiding the parliamentary track, you know, when we want to incorporate certain entities. Uh, and so you have public limited companies, PLCs, and the rest borrowed from other places, which, you know, have probably bypassed parliament. I think this is the government structure that, you know, we need to the reporting um, and, and authority, as you, as, as you alluded to. Uh, I think that, yes, SIGA, you know, is, is important, but how does SIGA position itself with the board of directors, mm. you know, with okay. the ministry? You know, right. and I think that uh, we, 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 have run out of, we would be escaping yeah. it. Okay. I'm grateful we have run out of time at this point, but a uh, very important uh, stakeholder in this, uh, Dr. Odrosai, says that uh, we need to first depoliticize the appointments to such boards and make it on merit. We set KPIs uh, for such SOEs. If they fail to attain it, then you sack those who are in charge. These SOEs, those set up as companies or joint ventures with substantial state interest, yet they fail to comply with the dual reporting requirements under the PM, PFM Act and the Companies Act, which is very bad. Corporate practices uh, must be adhered to. This has been News File.
It is your most authoritative news analysis platform. And here on Newsfile, as always, we put Ghana first. Thank you so very much to uh, Kweku Pencil. He's a lawyer. Randolph Chumesi is a lawyer. Thank you also, Professor Kwesi Kofi Abochidin, UPSA Law School. Professor Lord Mensah, Associate Professor, University of Ghana Business School. Uh, Honorable Sir Tepe, former Minister for Finance and Executive Director, PFM Tax Africa Network. And yes, that's been it. Thank you all so very much. Have a good afternoon.